Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out Swiss and European fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad, and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're joined by Renu. Renu is the founder and CEO of Luminant Analytics. That is an intratech startup. And we're going to talk about uh, her business, but also the outlook of, on the insurance industry given the current situation. So hello, Renu, and how are you today? I'm doing very well. And thank you for inviting me on the show. So happy to be here and to be productive amongst this uh, crisis. Very happy to be here. And Renu, so can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, how did you get to where you are today? Yes, of course. So um, my background is I am an economist. Um, I did my PhD in health economics from the US in 2010. And so my background is data science, data analytics. And I've worked in, in the corporate world and in, in academics. And then so um, Luminant has been formed to help the insurers close the last mile when it comes to effective data analytics. And um, this really relies on my experience in working in different industries where there is a lot of data, um, and but the, that industry cannot fully integrate it into the day-to-day business decisions. So what, does it, so what does it mean last mile? Because last mile is usually used by, you know, delivery people, right? They say, well, you know, you have all these algorithms and exactly. in terms of delivering the last mile, that is the, actually the most challenging bit. Yes. So what does it mean in your context? Yes. So, and I think I have to, we have to step back a little bit and think about what, what does big data mean? Big data has exploded in the past what is it, five years because of cloud com- computing and because of newer software programs. And so there's a lot of data. And so companies set up data science teams and they work on the data in silos. The data science teams work on the data problems in silos from the business unit. And I saw this live because I worked for a fairly r- large reinsurer where uh, they gr- brought together a bunch of fantastic people with fantastic ideas working on data. And then you try to bring it, make it applicable to the business. So how can we use this data to improve underwriting or pricing? And then there is a gap. So all of that work that was done in looking at the idea and forming the project and doing the project, it doesn't come to fruition because the business is perhaps a little bit behind and so cannot incorporate that. So Luminant was started to truly bridge that gap by building um, a SaaS platform, which is which which takes into account the analytics that the company does and literally feeds it is feeds it to the insurer so that they can use it yes so my next question is what is your unfair advantage yes my my unfair advantage is that or unique advantage you know some people say that but uh, i think uh, it doesn't have to be unfair yes it is actually the 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 team the qualities of the team that uh, understands insurance and so is able to apply the analytics knowledge to insurance. So 
my I've spent three and a half years in insurance, but I've spent most of my 18-year-old career in, in analytics. So I understand analytics and I can bring together a team of people who are very data science and quant. But the insurance industry, especially in the US, is very different. You need to understand that for the solution. So I'm building a team of people that can help me on regulations, on product, um, on, on marketing, specifically focused to that industry. And um, so this, it's, it's a very, um, what is it? It's a very minute uh, uh, improvement of, of what other companies do. Um, but I think that truly makes a difference because uh, the insurance industry is very special and you need to understand it to provide a solution that they can use. The other, the other um, advantage is really the focus on external data. Um, my team has is willfully made from different disciplines that don't understand insurance. All we know is data. So we look at data from a different perspective than the end user. And that big picture view, we are bringing that to insurance. So, so what's your view on insurance incumbents partnering up with insurtechs? What are the benefits for both? What do you think? So I think that it is, it is for, this is the way it should move forward, um, partnering. And uh, for insurers, I think that it brings in new technologies, new ways of thinking about things, um, and new ways of implementing things. Uh, because insurtechs are very small, agile and creative um, so it's if the insurers can take some of the good learnings from the insurtechs and these three things that i mentioned it will absolutely suit them well it's equally important for insurtechs to partner with incumbents because that's when they will know the true essence of the industry that they are selling to um, insurance is different from the life sciences it's different from banking and so partnering is really the best way for both sides to, to understand each other. So the insurance companies or the incumbents, aren't they kind of outsourcing the innovation to, to the startups, right? And um, I mean, shouldn't they know it all by themselves? <laughs> um, I think, no, I don't think so. First of all, I don't think anyone knows it all. Um, and I think if anyone, either an insurtech or an insurer, thinks that they know it all, I think that there's so much in the world that is changing today. Um, to stand there and say that we should know it all is actually unreal. Um, second, should insurers not be doing it in-house? Um, I think, sure, they should. But everyone needs an, uh, a helping hand. And that's what insurtechs can do. Given the way that insurance is so highly regulated, it's never possible to completely outsource everything outside. And so I think innovation is actually a great place to for insurers to figure out what they want to outsource and what they don't want to outsource. Okay. All right. Great. Understood. So I, perhaps it's a bit too early to say, but how do you see the impact of the COVID-19 crisis on the insurance industry and, and the insurtechs? So I think that um, I want to qualify this by two things. One, it depends on how long and how wide the lockdown would be. The implications of a three-month versus six-month lockdown are very different. Um, and second is depends on the the how what stage the startup is in. So, if I look, so let's let's look at the impact, the potential impact of COVID nineteen on an insurtech. If you're an early stage insurtech and you are really in the beginning of racing around, like I am, it will delay things. 
um, it will certainly delay things. Pros- client prospecting is delayed. Um, now, if you are later and you are much more in, in uh, on the roll, then um, you should be okay. But new funding is going to be really tough to come by um, at this point in time. And second, it's also um, if you're in, if you're an insurtech um, in the business continuity space, let's say claims experience. I actually think that this is a great opportunity for that insurtech, for example, to prove their worth because a lot of the 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 things that will happen in claims is now going to be tackled online. So um, it might be a very good sifting mechanism of the of the technologies that an insurer would want and pay for. Um, in the long term, I think that an insurtech should kind of look at all the opportunities that have come up in the past few months um, and figure out whether you know they should do a pivot or they should add on something. So it's it is a pause um, that is not entirely meaningless and need not destabilize insurtechs. Now, if we look at insurance companies, again, the qualification of three months versus six months, because um, three months is insurers generally, like most big, most big insurers are not used to working remotely. So in addition to worrying about the safety of the employees, they have to figure out how can we get all of our people online and work remotely. And that's a challenge. Um, and so um, it is likely that when they do that, innovation might be kept to the back burner. That's very normal. That's natural. Um, the long term is when, um, you know, if the stock market, if the, long, if the shutdown is six months, the stock market will fall. We will be in a, in a, in a recession for sure. Um, maybe not a depression, but a severe recession that can impact actually investment income. And that's very important for insurers. So uh, a long term shutdown is not good for, for anyone, including insurers. And in particular, there are some industries which are dealing with insurers now, you know, event organizers, right? Uh, and and then, of course, healthcare providers. Obviously, they I have seen some, uh, some friction already, um, especially, for example, in terms of events where um, some insurers would say they don't pay because um, they only pay for uh, the diseases that were on the list at the time of the policy concluded and whether the government included a new disease there or not, they don't care. Or in some countries where the lockdown at first was um, just advised but not mandated, again, uh, then this was a decision of an organizer to cancel an event, therefore uh, their problem. Um, similarly with healthcare coverage, it, it depends, right? There are some countries or many uh, countries, obviously, who have universal health care, but there is also private insurers and um, and others who may have uh, a different view on the new disease. So, so what is your view on these uh, frictions and in terms of, well, threats and opportunities for both insurance companies and uh, insurtechs? So I think that, first, I think there is a lot of gray even though many of the policies actually um, clearly exclude events coming from uh, pandemics, at least in the U.S. Um, so, but what's actually, as an example, New Jersey, New Jersey has passed a few um, uh, measures, emergency relief measures, and they try to push um, the COVID case um, that insurance should actually uh, cover uh, BI claims coming from uh, COVID. 
uh, it hasn't passed. The, the challenge with this is it's a, it's a challenge is that this is not factored into pricing. So um, for an insurer to say, okay, we will now cover it, it kind of it sets a bad precedent. Um, that being said, um, it, they can also there will be a negative perce- perception of the industry as that it's not covering people in times of need. So what could potentially happen after this is that um, insurers will likely relook at coverages or there might be opportunities for new product add-ons, for example. They could maybe say that if there is a situation or lockdown for, say, a month or two months, we cover some part of it. So we could expect changes to the current products um, that are generally out there for even cancellations or BI uh, on the insurance front. We could expect additions. Um, again, I think it's, oh, I, I want to get it back to the function of, is it going to be like a six month thing versus a two month thing? Um, mm-hmm. So absolutely, I think the uh, this, there is going to be friction. And I think one of the best ways to deal with friction is to convert that into an opportunity. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, if it wasn't uh, included in the pricing, then uh, that obviously is the starting yeah. point. On the other hand, everybody's been bombarded yeah. by CEOs of different companies uh, some that you haven't used in years, and they found you now. Everyone saying, "What are they doing in the, in the times of yeah. crisis?" And uh, sometimes it's helpful. Sometimes it's uh, it looks a little bit like jumping on an opportunity, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. So, he, but you're right here. The people are in need. Yeah. Um, so whether this was included in pricing or not, uh, you need to address it. But I didn't get uh, any emails from my insurers, though. <laughs> exactly, and I think that. This is something, and this is my personal opinion, not you know coming from Luminant Analytics. It's my personal opinion that uh, empathy is something that people don't really deploy very well. And so, just to say that, um, you know, if I if I got an insurer for, uh, an email from a, my my own insurer saying, "Hey, we got you," um, obviously with all the qualifications, it's a relief. And that um, this is actually a great opportunity for the, the insurance industry to, to, to develop almost empathy as an add-on product. Um, and it's, you know, it's not so hard because uh, if you look at a claim, a claim always, there's always a calamity or an accident that is that happens and then you get a payout. So the process is painful and adding empathy to make it easier um, is, I think that's, possibly the new way to go so where are you on your journey today and what are the next steps for you in the near future yes so when i started luminant i had uh, one product that was a product for uh, commercial auto in the u.s um, which is a 41 billion dollar industry i was making a so i am making a solution for them which looks at external data and in the past six months i have been working on another product for the life insurance industry which is um, a 360 degree view of a life insurer's um, book of business, looking at the health of a life insurer's book of business. So it's an early fraud warning mechanism which looks at the agent behavior, consumer behavior, and the policy behavior. So um, from one, I'm, I'm now building out two products. I am avidly pro- prospecting for two sets of clients, um, but at the core, our, our core skill is analytics. So that is intact. Um, and I am... Um, I'm actually taking this time that we that I have to build out the life insurance product um, uh, so that we can present it to, to clients when we prospect. 
Um, so, and then, you know, clients, investors, team. That's always been uh, Luminance focus this year. Um, in the beginning of the year, in, in when when we started in January, it was going to be investor, client, team. Um, and now I'm at this point, I'm moving it to product, client, investor. And um, that's going to be what I'm going to be doing for the next three months, um, depending again on how long this, this expands. My last question is, where can interested parties reach you and what kind of people or institutions would like to hear from most? Yes. So you can reach me on LinkedIn. Um, you can reach me on Twitter. My handle is luminant underscore Renu. You can reach me on my email, which is reno at luminantanalytics.com. Um, and the people that I would love to hear most are obviously insurance companies um, of any size who have global business or, or just business in a state, because the problems that we are solving are pretty universal. Um, and I would also love to hear from uh, insurtechs who possibly want to work on the analytics slide. Maybe they have a tech platform and they want to add on analytics. Um, that would be a great combination as well. Thank you very much, Renu, and good luck to Luminant. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com, where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.